Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan presents the Honorable Judge Dan Jacobs. Okay, we welcome in the program, Darren T. Mac McKee. T. Mac, how are you, sir? Daniel, my brother. What's happening? I said, you know what? We can't wait all the way till tomorrow at three o'clock to get your reaction to this game, D-Mac. We got to get you on. No, I mean, that'd be ridiculous. Yes, it would be. So, um, I guess people are really upset about this kicking situation, and I think even you were one of them that said, boy, Brandon McManus is out there laughing somewhere, but then, you know, I looked it up. I mean, they couldn't bring back McManus, not with, you know, one, the way he was chirping, you know, causing trouble. Two, he, what was he, the third worst kicker in the league last year? Like, they had to address the situation one way or another. Now, obviously, they didn't address it the right way, but it's not like Brandon McManus should be taking victory laps, right? Or is that, or how do you th- feel? I, you know, he landed on his feet in like five seconds after they cut him with Jacksonville, and he's probably going to have another, I don't know, seven or so years left. You saw Matt Prater kicking field goals for, Arizona in his 17th year. So you get kickers like Prater and McManus and, um, you know, even Justin Tucker, who's the best of all time. And these guys, these guys are just steady Eddie's Dan. Uh, and, and I know it doesn't feel like it's spectacular. And you look at his percentage numbers that were down, but if you really look at kickers in terms of 40 to 55 yards, McManus was, has been one of the best um, in the past 10 years. So when you just sort of throw that out the door, even in a quote-unquote down year where everything was down for the Broncos, hey, buyer beware. So I just thought they were going to do something with the money, Dan, when they cut um, McManus. I thought, hey, here comes Dalvin Cook. Here comes something else. But it looks like they just didn't like him. Yeah, they didn't like the fact that he was advocating people not to show up for OTAs, and he misses one out of every four kicks. Well, there you go. Good enough. I mean, his history would tell you he's much better than that. But, okay. I mean, if that's the way you want to boil it down, you can. So, his whole career is defined by last year? No, but he's been steadily kind of declining. If you go look at his numbers, like, he's he's a below, you know, he's not. If, if, if you say that a good kicker, you know, a average to good kicker makes about 84 to 85% of his kicks, and the really good kickers make 90, 91% of their kicks. He's not, he's, he doesn't do that anymore. Like he's. Well, what was been, he 40 to 49 yards? I don't even know. What was he 40, 49 yards? Um, I'd have to, I did look it up. Um, he was really not good, you know, 50 plus, which, you know. Yeah, but that's, I'm not, that's not what I'm asking. Yeah. I'm asking last year, 40 to 49, what was he? Uh, because uh, our, our guy there, Maher, missed a 47 yarder to lead off the kicking uh, deluge uh, last, uh, you know. Friday night. Yeah, so that's a little surprising that, you know, you bring in a guy that his last game had an epic meltdown. Like, you would think they could have found somebody better, but, you know. Well, but that's the way it goes, Dan. That's, but that is exactly the way it goes. That's why you, you got to, are you sure? You know, like, you sure you want to move on from him? Uh, really? I mean, you can't be wrong about that because it's, um, it's better to, it's better to have uh, lost in love than to never have loved at all. You know, it's uh, what, what you had with McManus, I think, is beyond manageable. And, hey, listen, maybe it won't bite him in the butt, but it, it sure didn't look good. 
And Maher does have what is the most frustrating thing. He has a um, not clutch reflex that would insinuate that maybe his mental approach to kicking is uh, suspect. And that is tough because when does that manifest itself, Dan? I mean, he has been pretty good, really good in training camp. He has a stronger leg than Fry, and it's looked all right. Uh, but Fry's okay, too. But Fry's been on, like, Dan, nine different teams. There's a reason why that guy's bounced around. And then you're like, well, all right, who else is out there? And then it gets kind of scary. You get into the wonderful world of, like, kicker tryouts, Dan, and you knew what you had in Brand McManus, even if you, you know, didn't like his personality so much. So, listen, maybe they get it together. Fry did hit a 55-yarder, which was cool. So that's that's good. I mean, so is he your guy, Dan, or is it is it Maher who has a stronger leg? Who's your guy? Uh, I think the the guy's not on the roster. Now, what's worrying me, though, d Oh, well, all right, then who's that? Well, I don't know yet. But what is worrying me <laughs> is you are becoming okay. – you sound perilously close to – Almost doubting a decision that Sean Payton has made? As, I don't know. Is that acceptable, T-Mac? Yeah, well, this is, uh, this is a curious one. This, listen, we have said for literally months that when it comes to decisions, Sean Payton gets the, all right, Sean. It's like the shrug of the shoulders. And you're like, okay, I guess. is You know, and, and that's just the way it's gone. So this is... This is the biggest shoulder shrug. This is the biggest, I guess you know better than all of us, on this one. Because I can't think of one person who agrees with this decision. I can't think of one person who would have said, get rid of McManus for this kicking competition. Not one. And uh, that, that is definitely like a, okay, Sean, cool. I mean, it is. he's in charge, not George Payton. It's up to him. And okay. Uh, it's a, it's an interesting one, but, you know, listen, man, they've been a mess. That's why they brought him in to make these kind of decisions. He knows better than uh, us mere mortals, and uh, there you go. So, okay, Sean, let's see, see how it goes. I just didn't, uh, go, didn't go well Friday. Yeah, no, it did not. And, by the way, just to your point, he was 10 for 10 from 40 to 49 yards. You know, I actually did know that. That's yeah. why I kind of set uh, you up there. You brought but, it up. <clears throat> and he was 8, for thir- eight from 13. Uh, 50 plus yards and four to yeah, six. But see, even that 50 plus is a weird one because what is it? 50 to 55, you know, and, and, and how, how many of those, misses were beyond 55 yards. So he was literally perfect last year, right where you need to be perfect. I don't know. Maybe he mixed, missed an extra point or two. I mean, every kicker does in the league. Um, but essentially where you needed Brandon McManus, to, you know, be the most consistent and a no-doubter, he was perfect. And, yeah, I don't know. You, you see, 50-plus, I think there's a difference. I think it should be 50 to 55 and then 55-plus. And I, I'm really not going to rip on anybody, Dan, who misses kicks longer than 55, never mind 64 yards. So, you know, everything's kind of relative. I mean, are you really mad at McManus for missing the 64-yarder against Against the Seahawks? Are you like, ah, should have made that one? You should make them all. He's a kicker. Right, right. Should have made a, maybe that would have like tied a league record or something. But sure, should have drilled that one. No doubt about it. Um, all right. So 
I don't think I'm going to disagree with you on a, on a whole lot on this uh, phone call here, but I do remember when I had the the privilege and the honor to spend a week with you on the drive not so long ago. You are yes. all over my bacon for even daring to question that the offensive line was fixed until we see it. What did you see on Friday night out of the offensive line? Is it fixed? Oh, no, you got some serious issues, obviously. And you're not going to have McClinchy until week one. And uh, the pass rush looks not great. Um, boy, people are uh, – the football – Guys out there, and listen, you know, evaluating offensive line play is, is not my specialty, Dan. I, I literally have no specialty. But, you know, those that claim they have an expertise in that department are tearing apart Garrett Bowles. And I, I rewatched the game, and, yeah, he got beat on one inside uh, pass rush move. Um, other than that, it looked kind of okay to me. But if you want to tell me he's terrible, I mean, I'll, I'll take your word for it. And, look at the all 22 and the coaches breakdown and shuffling your feet and hand placement and, you know, yada, yada, yada. It didn't look good, you know? Uh, but then again, what are we really watching too, Dan? So, I mean, you know, it, it, they, they, they were bad when the, when the Cardinals blitzed and zero coverage being, they had no, there was all man on man on all the receivers and they blitzed Russell Wilson and they killed them and it looked terrible. Right. Well, that was the same exact thing they did on the Broncos' touchdown pass. They, they, again, went to zero coverage. They brought the house, and the offensive line and blocking held up. It was actually, they, they made adjustments, and it was good, and Russell Wilson hit Jerry Judy for a touchdown. So, you know, there's good things and bad things. You know, they, they, they gave up pressure on blitzes. They adjusted and picked it up the next time around. I don't know. There's a learning process with this whole thing. It's hard to judge anything, frankly, after just one game. Okay, what did you think about? Well, so this was interesting uh, during the game. Of course, I'm you know I was doing the you know watching for to do the fan football post game show, and we had. I heard that was I heard that was great. By the way, oh, it was, was award winning, award winning. I'm just I heard. I'm waiting yeah. for the hardware to show up uh, and and the check. Um, but anyway, Zach by tweets out one thing with, you know, disbelief how the Broncos could look so poor offensively against the backups for the projected worst team in football. And almost at the exact same time, James Merrillat says, if you didn't watch um, Russell Wilson's play and you weren't encouraged, then you don't know how to evaluate quarterback play. Uh, What do you say? Well, I went back and actually watched Russ. It's funny you bring that up. I watched that again this morning, like just his throws. So he had 13 throws. And uh, I think he had seven completions and one significant drop, which was Judy's. I, I thought it was two drops, but I went back and looked at the first pass of Troutman. And it was a bad pass. It was the very first play of the game. It was behind him. <clears throat> it was behind Troutman. It could have been caught, but it wasn't a good pass. So of his 13 passes, Dan, when I just looked at him, five were solid plays. And then two were just like, you know, like nothing. They were just little dinks. You know, there's nothing to it. But five out of the 13 passes were like good, like solid, like, hey, that's a really high-quality play. And I included the drop because, you know, that was still a quality pass. So whether Judy catches it or not, you know, 
that, that he should have. So I saw five out of 13 passes from Russell Wilson that were, like, really good. And then there were a couple of, like, Niz. And then there were, you know, like, five that weren't so good. So you tell me, Dan, if that's the metrics that we're using. I would say that's a solid, not spectacular night, but solid. 55% completion percentage is never going to be good enough. No, 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 no. It wasn't completion percentage. Again, I want to be clear. It wasn't completion percentage. It was, like, a quality pass. Like, I, I give him credit for the drop that Judy had as a quality pass. He had to move around. He had to get free. He lost it to Judy. Like, that's a quality pass. I'm looking at it from a different, from my DMAC metric, not not from, like, the standard completion percentage. So if I, if I told you five out of – he had five quality passes out of 13, I know that sounds like completion percentage, but I think five quality uh, passes out of 13, and I should take out the ones that are completions. So let me take those out. So let me take out two that are, were completions and just take it out. So it's five quality passes and 11 attempts. I think that's all right. I think five? that's actually okay. I think five, that's out of, five quality passes out of 11 attempts is good enough? I think it's solid. That's I don't think solid? it's great, but I think it's solid. No, oh, that's nuts. That's nuts. Are you are you listening to what you're saying? Uh, yeah, I'm listening to what I'm saying. I mean, I thought it was, well, listen, are we are we quibbling over the word solid? Yes. Would you like to give it another word? What would you like to call it? Bad. Not uh, insufficient. I definitely, wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't call it bad. I mean, it, it definitely moved, moved the ball. It produced a touchdown. Um, you know, the, the, the play to Judy was uh, showing mobility and athleticism and nice touch. No, I definitely wouldn't call it bad. He had Judy across the middle for another really cool throw. He had Cortland Sutton for like 13 yards at one point. I'm taking away the two easy throws. Like, just don't even worry about them. Like, that's something anybody could do. I think 5 out of 11 quality passes is all right. No, I it's think solid. that's I, – I, if you're phrasing it that way, 5 out of 11 being – quality passes, I think that you will be upset with that every day of the week if that's how your Sundays go. Um, I Well, okay. All right. See, now we're getting into a different conversation. What would you expect out of somebody making that kind of money? You would expect out of 11 passes uh, in terms of, you know, are they quality or not quality, probably closer to 8 out of 11. Yes. You probably would. Yes. You'd probably expect three, three more quality passes out of somebody making $40 million. So by that definition, sure, okay, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. And just the world of football and how to get things done in the NFL, you know, that's okay. It's all right. But, yeah, Dan, I'll, I'll agree with you. You don't need to pay somebody, you know, $40 million a year to, to have five out of 11 quality passes. You're right. You're right about that. But I'm not looking at Russ like that. 40. I'm just looking at him as the Denver Broncos quarterback not the $40 million quarterback. Can't get that money back. 40? You're talking about just this year or what? Like, he's, he's a 50 Just this year. Yeah, just this okay. year. Okay. I mean, it could add up to $250 million. A quarter billion dollar quarterback, right? Yeah. I, mean, I, yeah. I, I don't think that's going to happen, but yeah. Um, Jerry Judy, I'm not hitting the panic button because, you know, the last couple of years, it has not been an issue. It was an issue in college. It was an issue his rookie year. Um, but the drops, he did have at least one drop. Um, that was noticeable in camp last week, and he has a very noticeable drop in the game. Yeah. Is this is this an issue, or is it just, eh, it happens? Well, it's consistent, Dan, as you pointed out. It's consistent with what was going on in practice. I mean, so he did it. 
He's been doing it in practice, and he did in the game. How much has he so been doing it in practice? Um, it's it's been weird, Dan. It's been like there's a bad Jerry Judy drop maybe every other day, and it's almost immediately followed up with like a great catch. Like, and that's what happened the other day. He dropped one. I mean, it was ridiculous. It's like the defender fell down. He was literally standing by himself in the end zone, and the ball boinked off his chest, and he dropped it. Dan, like the next play, Jerry Judy caught like a crossing route. That was a really good catch, and, you know, he kind of snapped back into it. So we've actually seen that a lot from Jerry Judy. There are drops, but then there's a great play that follows it almost immediately. So he obviously has some sort of initial focus issue that he self-corrects almost immediately. Frustrating, for sure, uh, but his talent level is off the charts. Are you so still- you just got to gotta get through the, you know, you got to be a little bit more focused from the beginning. But I, I think Jerry Judy's like, of all the issues they got out there, I think he's the least of your problems. Are, are you still saying he's going to be a top three receiver in the league this year? Top three is tough, but he's got the ability to be a top ten guy, that's for sure. And he's going to be, I think he has a very good chance to be the most valuable guy on the Broncos. Well, Corbin Sutton's been a very pleasant surprise in this. Oh, yeah, and that's why I hesitated. That's why I hesitated right there, because Sutton's been out of sight. And he looks unbelievable. Yeah. What would you think of the defense? Uh, you know, a lot of guys didn't even play, so it's hard to get a real gauge of the defense. Um, you know, a lot of dudes, uh, Sertan didn't play, Simmons didn't play. Uh, Randy Gregory did play. Frank Clark, I don't think. Did Frank Clark play? No. He, I forget. I, uh, he, I don't know. Uh, they were kind of a mishmash of stuff. There's just a lot of dudes that didn't play. I thought the defense was fine. They pitched a shutout. Um, you know, they were helped by a missed field goal, but they pitched a shutout in the first half. You know, that was a bunch of third-teamers and guys who aren't going to be on the team on that final drive that Arizona eventually won the game. So I don't really, you know, I'm not overly concerned about that. There was a coaching decision that Sean Payton could have done if he wanted to. And apparently, according to uh, Gannon, the head coach of the, the Cardinals, they did let McLaughlin score, like they allowed him to score. But there was a minute 30 to go, and... um the Cardinals had two timeouts. So, Dan, would you rather, let me throw something out to you and your wonderful audience, would you rather be down a touchdown with a minute 30 to go with two timeouts, or would you rather be down by three points with no timeouts with 50 seconds to go? Those were the options. And Sean Payton chose to get the touchdown and play defense rather than a field goal with 50 seconds left. What would you rather do? Um, I'd rather get the touchdown. I would, too, actually. So we're, we're all in agreement with Sean Payton on that. I would, too. I agree. And yeah. Just play defense, right? You're up by more points. They got to go further. Who cares if they have timeouts? And it bit him in the butt, you know, with, you know, two seconds left on the clock. They, uh, you know, the guy barely grazed his big toe in the end zone, and he got it down, and then they, you know, you know what's funny about the two-point conversion, Dan? They haven't practiced goal line once in training camp. Oh, jeez. <laughs> they literally haven't done it. So I guess we shouldn't be that surprised that they gave up that kind of play when they, they literally have not even practiced goal line one time yet in training camp. All right, I got two two more for you. 
Um, now, I asked you about this before when you came over at the DenverSports.com zone, and it, it's clear they cannot cut Jared Stidham. Like, they just can't because of guaranteed money. But right. they can keep because Danucci's just been better. He's just flat out yeah. been better. Like, they can keep yeah. both, and Danucci, I'm just thinking he he might be the number two. I know it sounds crazy, but do you think that could happen? Yeah, well, I think they're going to lose them because I think there's probably five or six teams in the league where Danucci would be the immediate backup quarterback. So I think you're going to lose them if you cut them and try to hide them on practice squad. Why don't so they just keep them? Uh, I think he makes the 53. Yeah. I think they, they say goodbye to Albert Okawebenam, Um and there's probably another vet cut out there they would have to make. Probably Montreal Washington is gone, I would guess. Um, I guess. I don't know. I, I like what Montreal's done in training camp. But, yeah, you may you may have to keep three quarterbacks here, Dan. And you may have to keep Danucci on the 53. He's been better than Stidham in camp, and he was better than Stidham in the game. So, you know, for whatever it's worth. Okay, last one. With Javante not being able to play and um, looking like he is having issues, uh, is it time to say we need to actually make a play for Dalvin Cook? No, I don't think so. I, I think, um, well, first of all, I haven't seen that many issues with Javante. I think they're just being careful with him. Uh, you know, he's certainly been active in the practices, and I think he could have played if they wanted him to play. So I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think Jaleel McLaughlin, McLaughlin, sorry, um, like why, I don't know. I, I didn't understand that. Like why is the, one of the most dynamic guys during training camp like fifth or sixth on the depth chart and playing deep in the fourth quarter? You know, what, what you saw out of Jaleel McLaughlin in the fourth quarter of that game is what we've been seeing all training camp, and I don't care if it's against the ones or the twos or the threes. That, that guy can play football. So, you know, to me, it's Javante Williams, Samaj P. Ryan, Jaleel McLaughlin, and then they'll keep Michael, um, oh, the, the fullback guy there, Michael, uh, not Roberts, Michael, ah, Burton, Michael Burton, number 20, they'll keep Michael Burton. So I think those are your, uh, those are your four most impactful running backs uh, that you have. So, no, I, I don't think they need to get Dalvin Cook right now. I, I think they've got something special. Um, with uh, Jaleel McLaughlin. I really do. All right. D-Mac, you are the best. Thanks for taking some time. Dan, I could not be the best if I'm in your shadow. (laughs) I appreciate you so much. Take care. Time out. Taking a break from laying down the law in the courtroom to lay down the law in the sports world. Here's Judge Dan Jacobs on Denver Sports Station, 1043 The Fan. Andrew Mason joins us. Did you get a good breakfast this morning? I haven't eaten yet. Oh, wow. I, well, I just had a bag of Cheetos. I actually haven't. I had a part of it was last last night. Um. I had a I had this wrap that I got at the Phoenix Airport before I took off and came back here, and I had half of it as I left, and then for some reason uh, I took a very late flight back, and I got ended up getting back to my place at about two in the morning, and I was still hungry, and I just had the other other half, and I think because of that, I'm just 
I don't know. I, I, usually I'm a big brunch person. I had a great brunch yesterday, but I haven't found anything to trip my trigger yet. Yeah. I, you know, I was looking on Facebook. So apparently a year ago I had knee surgery, and I was so restless that I made up some, it looked phenomenal, pork belly. Yeah. Oh, sliced. It was sliced. It was roasted and then mm-hmm. sliced. It was phenomenal. I forgot. Yeah. I had this brunch yesterday where it was, um, it had some, it, it was chorizo and also some, a kind of, not quite in sausage, but mm-hmm. it, with that mixed in with some, with some potatoes, a couple, a couple of eggs over easy on top. Mm. And um, you and what you do on those eggs when you when you have them over easy or you have them fried on something like that, you slice them up so you can mix the yolk in mm-hmm. with everything in this in this sauce and it was absolutely it's absolutely incredible. Maybe that maybe that just spoiled me for my meals today after I had that meal for brunch yesterday. Had a I got a really good I got a really good recommendation. Actually, I got some really good recommendations um, from someone I know on on this trip, and it was a lot of fun in Arizona. Yes. Yeah. Well, I saw the pics of. Uh you know the you know the nacho station and stuff, and, and I heard you on the on the. I'm not, I can't yeah, the, the press show. box meal was pretty was pretty good. Yeah, and I was on the drive, to, and yeah, then the I was on uh, I was on the drive talking about the spread that at the Arizona Cardinals press box. I was on um, Denver Sports Tonight just talking about the game and the warm ups and everything. But yeah, that, yeah, Arizona has an above average spread. They actually had a carving station where they're carving brisket. Mm. Um, it had a. Uh, I believe it was uh, ancho ch- uh, uh, chili uh, mm. in the brisket, and it, it was very, very nice. Um, and so you you could eat it, or I actually put it into a, a little. T- I did a little couple, did a little couple of street tacos, basically a couple of chicken and uh, one with the brisket. If the tortillas were fresh, it was Arizona did a, did a good job. They that was a pretty good standard to start the season when it comes to press box meals for me. Nice, because yeah. I know Tampa has a phenomenal. Uh, I mean, it's crazy. How Tampa has Tampa. the. Bananas Foster Station, yes, right there in the press box. Yeah, at the end of the game, but yeah. they, you know, but even even the whole meal, like they have all these stations, they have a carving station, mm-hmm. the whole spread at Tampa is crazy good. I mean, that's that's the standard. But yes. we'll we'll see what the Broncos have up their sleeve in a couple of weeks. They did some good things last year. I thought some things got better. Like for example, um, they put more snack type stuff out. Like they have. They actually have muffin tops huh. in the Empower Field press box, as was said on Seinfeld. Top of the muffin to you. Yes. Right? yes. With an exclamation point, right? They should put, you know, in honor of Seinfeld, they should have an exclamation point because that's what uh, Mr. Lippman insisted on, even though Elaine's like, it's not top of the muffin to you. <laughs> He's like, no, it is. It is. <laughs> anyway. Now, I, I was, we were talking off air. Yeah. So the, the, cu- I don't know what it's called. It's just the Basketball Hall of Fame? Yes, it is. It was last night. So Becky Hammond, our CSU's own uh-huh. Becky Hammond, went in. But another person that we know, you you probably know, but um, I used to hang, you know, be around him a lot uh, or talk to him a lot anyway, you know, at Nugget stuff. Mark Spears, mm-hmm. um, I think it was the ESPN now, I believe. Yes. He got an award. And so now I don't know if he's a Hall of Famer. So he gave a speech last night because mm-hmm. he got—I can't remember the name of the award, but it's he, the Kurt Gowdy Media Award. There you go. And it was um, they both he and uh, Holly Rowe, also of ESPN, received the award. Okay, so here's the question: Is he a Hall of Famer now? 
Hmm. Okay. This comes up because there's a similar award in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It's the Pete Rosell Radio and Television Award. Okay. Um, I am not a gatekeeper, so I'm going to say yeah. Let's just say okay. Yeah, let's let's call him Hall of Fame reporter Mark Spears. Let's let's do that. Okay, because in baseball you are you're considered a Hall of Famer. Uh, like Tracy Ringlesby. Uh huh. Yeah, I haven't. Where's Tracy? I mean, he doesn't have a plaque, but that it's. I think isn't it the Ford Frick Award in baseball? I don't know. Yeah, but he's considered a Hall of Famer. But like with yeah, yeah, uh, it is. our friend Jerry Walters got a similar award with the Colorado Golf Hall of Fame, and I always give him a hard time that he wears his you know green jacket everywhere. His oh, Fort Frick is for for electronic media, so it's like uh, it's, it's television radio, but still same concept. Okay, so I give Jerry a hard time that he's always wearing his Hall of Fame jacket everywhere, and he's like, "Well, technically, I'm not a Hall of Famer, Dan." Okay, but you don't like in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. If you get the Kurt Gowdy or if you get the uh, the Pete Rozelle Award, or the because um, it's the Kurt Gowdy in basketball, if you get the Pete Rozelle Award, you don't get a jacket. Mm, but you are. Uh, but there is something in the Hall of Fame that has the winners of the award, and there was actually a uh, an, an award added for um, team staffers, like PR people, uh-huh. trainers, things like that, and Jim Sakamano, who we know here in Denver, got the award last year. So that's, yeah. And actually, with uh, Sako, uh, uh, one, of, one of the people who, uh, who he mentored uh, works with Milwaukee Brewers, and so in honor of getting this award from the Pro Football Hall of Fame, Sacco got to throw out the first ball at a Brewers game last year. How'd he do? Did he clear the plate? I didn't see the pitch. I'd have to go. Come uh, on, you saw it. No, I didn't. Are you protecting him? No, I'm Are you protecting him? I'm not protecting him. I did not see the pitch. I just know he was thrilled by it. Okay. Oh, that's awesome. You, now, can't, you can't go and find it like on YouTube or anything like that. That's the thing. So yeah. I, believe it or not, we talked a lot about that award. I never asked him I never asked him where the picture went. Okay. Whether it was over the plate. But, yeah, it's not about getting it over the plate. You just got to get the distance. You don't want to short hop it. No. You want to get it to who's, who's, whoever is catching it. Um, I got to tell you, if, if I ever got one of those awards, which doesn't seem like it's going to happen, I would have a jacket made. <laughs> I, and then I would be at the events just wearing one and, you know, like mingling around with the players pretending I was one of them. Well, it probably isn't that hard, right? I mean, Hager makes the gold jackets. So you just go to Hager, try to get like that same ah. color, get a custom jacket, and then get some – and then – Get a patch. Just get a patch. You Actually, what you could do is you just go and – I think they make like Hall of Fame patches that you can buy – uh, at the Hall of Fame souvenir shop in Canton, yeah, you go buy a patch and you have it, and you have it sewn on, and there you go. There's your Hall of Fame jacket. Now you know I'm in. I'm a Hall of Famer. It was Hall of Fame um, because we we're having this conversation. The Otis Colorado Judiciary Hall of Fame. No, you would think, right? See, I thought I would be uh, in the Pickens Tech Hall of Fame because I was a big. Big shot over there. See, I'm waiting for my call to the St. Petersburg High School Hall of Fame. See, there you go. Yes. Uh, Green Devil Hall of Fame. I think I should be there. Yeah. Rangeview High School, you would think I'd be in their Hall of Fame. You know, I, th- I think I've, I have, you know, a lot of notoriety amongst their graduates. Well, notoriety is kind of negative because it's based off notorious. You have a lot of oh. renown. How about okay, that? renown. Yeah. I'm one of their more renowned, well, yeah. well-known well graduates. Um, but, I, you know, because I was having this conversation with Terry Wickstrom, who comes on before me on Saturdays. 
And somebody called him a Hall of Famer. And I said, well, what, what Hall of Famer are you in? And so he's like, well, I'm sure he's just talking about, you know, it's, it's going to happen. And I said, oh, well, then I, I'm going to be now known as future Hall of Famer. Self-proclaimed Hall yeah, of Famer. Future Hall of Famer. And then I gave a speech over at Rock Canyon High School mm-hmm. to uh, Mr. Paul's criminal justice class. And so they, I'm the inaugural member of the uh, Rock Canyon High School guest speaker's Hall of Fame. <laughs> so uh, not a Range U, not a Pickens Tech, uh, not at DU, not at Washburn, uh, not in Otis, not in Eckley, where I also serve as a judge, but, uh, you know, Rock Canyon. Well, it's funny because my friend Steve Atwater, before he got in the Hall of Fame, I'd try to say, hey, you're already a Hall of Famer because, like, he's in the St. Louis Sports Hall of Fame because that's where he grew up. Oh, and, that's fantastic. And he is in, I'm not sure if it's Hall of Fame or Hall of Honor, but he's in whatever they have down in Arkansas for Arkansas Razorbacks Athletics because, of course, he played for the Hogs down there. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Zach's in a Hall of Fame. Brandon Stokely's in a Hall of Fame. Um What's the one for Stoke, the uh, Louisiana Lafayette uh, Athletic Hall? Yeah, so, somewhere in Louisiana. Yeah. He's probably in a yeah. couple. Um, I don't think Evans is in one. Mark's got to be in something, right? Schlereth? Um, somewhere in like Alaska or Idaho? Idaho Vandals Hall of Fame, perhaps. I wonder. Um, so I don't think anybody. I think Chad's got to Okay, be in there one. is a Hall of Fame for the University of Idaho in athletics. Uh, let's see here. Can I find Stink in that? I bet you he's in that. Yep, there he is. Okay. 2008 inductee into the Idaho Athletics Hall of Fame. By the way, it was a, I guess when they tried to get it going in 07, 08, they they were massive classes. He was part of the second class. And if I count here, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. He was part of a, a 48 inductee class that included former NFL kicker Mike Hollis, former NFL. Europa and NFL wide receiver Yo Murphy, what a great name! Uh, I believe a first round draft pick back in the '60s, former uh, Washington running back uh, Ray McDonald, and a few others. Okay. Well, anyway, all right. Let's get to the game because um, I think we have a few other Hall of Famers, like uh, you know, Chad Brown's got to be in some sort of Hall of Fame, and uh, got to be one for CU, right? He's got to be in the CU Hall of Fame. Yeah. He's probably knocking on the door if he's not in the College Football Hall of Fame. He was a heck of a college yes. football player. He's All-American, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know about Orlando. Maybe. Maybe something. I think he belonged in the University of Miami Athletics Hall of Fame. Or, um, Oh, I, I wonder if there is a Hall of Fame for, Ameri- for American football players who are from Canada. Yeah. that would. He yeah. would definitely be in some Or Jim... Isn't he from Jamaica? He, uh, yeah, he's Jamaican of Jamaican descent. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't think Nate Jackson's in one though. Maybe uh, Menlo College. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. Menlo College. I mean, Menlo's got to have some kind of Hall of Fame, right? Yeah. I, mean, I think he's the only. Is he the only NFL player from Menlo? Yeah, maybe. College Hall of Fame. Uh, oh. Hall of Fame Menlo College Athletics. Is he on there now? Now there's this. No, and it's oh, I got a, I clicked on it. I got a four oh four. Oh, they canceled it. Dad, gum it. All right. Anyway, all right. Let's talk let's about talk preseason football. Let's yes. talk about the game here. Um, 
So it's interesting. James, of course, says uh, Russell Wilson just looked great. If you have any uh, opinion to the contrary, then you don't know how to evaluate quarterbacks. Um, DMAC, who was, you know, we just replayed his interview, had this weird DMAC grading system in which um, five out of 11 quality passes is a, a win. Um, I, th- I found that to be a little weird. I didn't think it was a great game, but I just didn't think it was, um, you know, all around. I thought the offensive line struggled, and that caused Russ to struggle. Um, I thought the wide receivers, other than the drop, um, you know, looked looked pretty good in spots when they had the opportunities. What was your takeaway? I mean, I thought it was down the middle. I thought it was fine. A little, little concerned about, uh, lose, about the fumble under pressure, even though he was able to recover it. Um, I'm more concerned about the pressure coming from the flanks on Russell Wilson uh, than Wilson himself. Getting the running game going is going to help that, and we should see Javante Williams out there next Saturday out in Santa Clara when they take on the 49ers. But if he's under that kind of duress, especially off the edges, although there was interior pressure too, if he's under that kind of duress on a regular basis in the regular season, when you're talking about a quarterback who has missed time injuries each of the last two years, he turns 35 later this year, you do start to worry. So they're, this team's going to have to run the ball well to take some of the edge off those pass rushes they're going to face because uh, with Garrett Bowles, he does not look he does not look the same as he did before the injury. And his 2021 was not nearly as good as his 2020. So there was already a bit of decline in form from that year that earned him the contract extension. Uh, if, if he uh, if he can't if he can't get right there, this there there could be some trouble there. That's so that's a huge concern I have right now. The offensive line. I was told it was fixed. What's going on? Yeah. Well, you got to give time to get cohesion. I actually asked uh, Mike McGlinchey about that earlier in training camp, and he said, "Hey, we've got we do have all these practices uh, that we've had, um, and that's and you can definitely build that, but it really does take time. And I think uh, getting the offensive line in terms of the chemistry where you want it, it's not just something that happens in the regular season; it's something that happens with game snaps as well. And unfortunately for McGlinchey, he's not going to be out there to start uh, building on that until the regular season. So I think." Uh, while there are elements of a better offensive line there, Quinn Miners in year three continuing to develop. I think Ben Powers, although it wasn't a great game for him, I think he will do fine in the long term. Uh, I do think uh, there's overall some reason to be uh, to be concerned. Yeah, actually, the guy I thought who played the best on the offensive line on Friday was Lloyd Cushenberry. Really? Yeah. Uh, I thought I thought Cush had a really solid game. Okay, and having the two power tackle or guards, pardon me, having the two power guards flanking Cush is really helping him out. Like his, you know, every every player who's starting in this league has some superpower. That's how they got there. Lloyd's superpower is is his, is his mind and his ability to process and diagnose things pre pre snap. And I think having having the two guards around him in, in powers and minors who are bigger, more powerful players, I think that's going to uh, to help take some of the pressure off and avoid him being overpowered as would happen from time to time in the last three years. 
All right, so overall, your biggest takeaway from the game, and um, do you think it was a success? Mm, I think there were successful elements. Obviously, you want to finish the game better. Um, it's only preseason. You know, it's a, it, as they say, it doesn't count, but it matters. Um, but I think, like, elements of success are there in terms of what you saw from some depth players. And, and then you saw guys like like, like Alex Singleton look good, Josie Jewell look good. You're not surprised by that. Bassey. He sang Bassey making a play on the ball. I mean, couple of plays. Yeah. The, now the interception, a, a bit of a break there um, because the receiver slips and falls as he's running his route and Clayton Toon expects him to be there and he's not. But Bassey, I, he was in the right spot to make a play, even if that had not happened. It might have been a, a pass breakup rather than a pick because he might have uh, had the receiver bearing down on him. But he's in the right position because he recognized the route from the previous third down. It was the same. It was a very similar concept to what the Cardinals had, and they went at Bassey on the previous third down and moved the chains, and he adjusted and adapted. That's what you want to see is that you know, actual kind of growing, happening on the fly, learning fast, taking taking something you experienced and putting it into your game and, and uh, applying it, and that's what he did. So I was, I thought that was a really good sign for him. Um, you look, uh, you look down, you look down the roster. Um, you, you go through some of the depth. Um, I thought, I thought there were, I thought Jaquan McMillan uh, on special teams and defense. I thought he had a he had a pretty good game. Uh, I liked what I saw uh, from some of the defensive linemen. I th- you know, Matt Henningsen, although he was kind of pushed back on that two point conversion, you know, he kind of he did what he did last year. He he, you know, was kind of nondescript in camp, and then he goes out in the preseason game, makes some plays. And that's what he did uh, on Friday night. Elijah Garcia flashing down there uh, as well in the pass rush. Um, the other thing also, I do like to see when players that are practicing well take it to the game. And so that last series, the Broncos had an offense when they drove to a touchdown. Much of the momentum came from two guys who have been making plays every day in the preseason, in the training camp, and that's Jaleel McLaughlin and Taylor Grimes. So that tells you, okay, when the lights went on, they still had it. And for, it's big for them because they're coming from the FCS level. They have a huge jump coming from Incarnate Word and Youngstown State, respectively. All right, sir. Thank you so much. For My pleasure. In. We're about to wrap this puppy up. One more break, and then we'll uh, put a bow on the Dan Easy, like Sunday morning edition of the Dan Jacobs Show. Judge, jury, executioner. Okay, that got really dark fast. Now back to his honor, Judge Dan Jacobs on Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. All right, Andrew, you know what I did last night? Uh, you went out and smoker and uh, fixed something? Yeah, 140 pounds of pulled pork. Oh, wow. We are this Thursday. That will be available. Now, i got to do another 70 or 80 pounds. Okay. But uh, anybody that needs it, 4 to 6 p.m., Thursday, Eastern Hills Community Church, you just pull up. It couldn't be easier. You pull up, 
you pop the trunk. Before you can even blink, there'll be groceries for the week in your car, no questions asked. And the only question that will be asked is, how many meals do you need tonight? And there will be that many meals with pulled pork sandwiches and, you know, chips or whatever mm-hmm. else we put in there, in your car through the window. How many people do you have uh, working on this uh, project over the church? Um, that That's what I always think is cool, th- that... Um, that I, I would hope the people that experience this, you know, can have some, you know, you know, feeling in their heart that I would say 30 people get up that morning caring about that person. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say probably 30 volunteers a week. And last week we did, it was a record of 784 free meals and boxes of groceries. Well, oh, awesome. Uh, well, uh, 784 free meals, I think it was about 200 boxes of groceries, you know, because it's about 200 families. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's cool. Um, so I got to do, you just can't do, a, you know, 200 pounds. Except, you know, I, last night I did, a, you know, a, a human. That's 140 pounds is like the size of a human. On one smoker. I had to use two smokers. Oh, two smokers. So, you own two, right? Yeah, so, well, I own three. But one of them I sold to the Deer Trail Meat Co. guy, my rec tech. Yeah. I think I'm going to have to tell him, dude, because I'm using it for, you know, now. Because he, he he bought it and he never picked it up. Mm. I think I'm going to buy it back because I need it for these free meal things. Yeah. And it's a tank. Like, this is the most awesome smoker. So I think I think I need to deliver bad news and say, Travis, I, I need the smoker back. So, um well, it's not that bad news if you're going to buy it back from him. Yeah, I'll give him money. You know, yeah, I'll pay, there you I'll go. Paid, you know, I paid for it. Uh, so anyway, if you need free meals and groceries, 4 to 6 p.m., Eastern Hills Community Church. And Andrew, also our friends here at Bonneville helping out with the wildfires in mm-hmm. Hawaii. You know, it's, it's terrible. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, um, go to denversports.com where you see all of Andrew's stuff. Um, he's, our, of course, our senior writer. You can go top of the page. There's a link. For the Bonneville um, Maui Strong Fire Relief Fund, everything, 100% of the donations go to the Hawaii Community Foundation serving Maui. So do that. Andrew, thank you so much for coming in. My pleasure. Thanks for uh, waiting on me. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, guys, have a great rest of your Sunday. You see a big stone and a bottle. Yeah. Why I'm easy I'm easy like Sunday morning That's why I'm easy